Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are walking this fine planet. Welcome back to another episode of Recovery is Fucking Awesome. My name is Robo, and my day of grace is May the 7th, 2010. I'm as grateful for that today as I know how to be. Today on the program, I have a very special guest. You guys are going to get a kick out of this. He is one of the baddest motherfuckers I have ever met in sobriety, um, much less in my entire life. So without any further ado, welcome to the program, my buddy, Scott. How are you, sir? Hey, man. What's up, Mike? Oh, living the dream, baby. How are you? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, this oh. is cool. It's kind uh, of a trippy uh, way to do a meeting, you know? It's like a Zoom deal. It's all good. We'll, we'll rock it out, though. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. Uh, and thank you for taking time out of your day. Uh, I know you have a couple of days off for the holidays um, to, to yeah. do this with me. So yeah. let's just get right in the fuck into it. Um, oh, right. and, and I will say parental uh, advisory. So, um, the only person who has ever <laughs> dropped more F-bombs from the podium when speaking than me is, is Scott. So if you don't like the word fuck, uh, you might want to go listen to somebody else. So how did you get started in this whole sobriety thing, brother? That's awesome. Uh, all right. Yeah, I'll try. I always try to like curb that shit, but then at some point in the story, it just, it just starts happening. There's no way to, I can't even control it. <laughs> It's just, a, it's got a mind of its own. Uh, all right. So I know we don't have a whole lot of time, um, but so I grew up in Dallas, uh, oldest of five kids. I think I was always expected to be the example and be the good guy. And that just never really was who I was or wanted to be or could be. I was always I was always into some fucking trouble. Everywhere I went, I was in trouble, right? I was like, um, at school, all I really cared about was like drawing pictures or, you know, messing with the little girlies in the class or, you know, kicking people's ass in sports. I was good with that. That was my one thing that I got some positive, you know, uh, feedback was from sports. I was good at that. But um, I just, I don't know, man. Um there was a lot of turmoil at home. Okay. My parents drank, you know, and uh, it was probably supposed to look like everything was cool, but we all knew the kids knew something wasn't cool. There was some negative effed up shit. See, I'm still, I'm curbing it so far. Effed up. There's some effed up stuff going on. Uh, there was, there was physical, I don't want to, to be like Mr. Downer, but there was, there was physical abuse. There was a lot of mental, verbal shaming stuff going on and i just i guess i could have done one of two things i could have been a guy that cowered in the corner and they don't love me and i don't love myself but instead i like put that armor on and was like f you you know it's like fuck me no fuck you and i just was always like rebelling against um whatever i felt was coming my way and uh so I was just in trouble a lot, man. That was my deal. I was in fucking trouble. So the first time I ever drank, I was 11 years old. I was at my uncle's it was, it was wedding reception, something like that. And I was like, you know, watching everybody drink, have a good time. And they're setting their champagne glasses down, but it's not quite gone. They, they left some in there. So I'm going around the room. I'm like seeing that chick put some down. Okay, cool. I'm going to hit that one. And that dude put one down, boom. And going back in the kitchen, there's like six of them. I just started drinking them all. And uh, now, granted, I'm 11 years old. I'm like, got buzzed real quick. 
And so then I go to my little brothers, hence why my parents were usually on my ass because I wasn't the good influential big brother. I was the, hey, let's start some shit or let me get you in trouble too. And so I got my brothers who at that time, I was 11. So there were, uh, a, they were like seven and eight. Got them to start doing it too. Like, check this out, drink some of this, you know? And then we went out in the front yard and started running around in circles in our suits and got grass stains all over them, mud and got our ass fucking kicked for that. Um, but that was my first time getting fucked up 11 years old and I fucking loved it. I mean, it was a shit show and I got in trouble and all that, but that was normal. That was normal. All I knew is that that fucking shit felt good and I couldn't wait to do it again. And I mean, dude, I mean, my whole, my whole life around that got so crazy at a young age, you know, like by the time I was, that was 11 I got kicked out. That was in, you know, in fucking sixth grade, maybe. I got kicked out of sixth grade. And then I had to go to another school. My parents keep putting me in these Episcopal schools. They took me out of my, they thought I'd go over the deep end if I just went through the public school system all the way into high school. So I've been going to a school from first to fifth grade, kind of had my role, right? Athlete. Uh, going steady with a good looking chick, you know, you're, you're in elementary school, but we were still doing it. Right. And uh little girly friends, sports, little vandalism on the side, you know, telling the teacher to F off that kind of guy. And uh, they didn't want any more of that. So they started putting me in church schools. So I got kicked out of the first church school. Then I went to the next, the next church school in seventh grade, man. It's like, dude, everybody was already drinking and getting high. It was like, this is pretty cool. So, I mean, by seventh grade, I'm already full blown, like as for sure every weekend I'm getting fucked up, you know, but that my parents, I could hide it for a little bit because they thought I was with these church kids, but these church kids were, were doing a lot of effed up stuff and the girls were awesome. But uh, anyway, uh, so I got expelled. I'm going to try to like consolidate drinking, drugs doing bad in school, I get expelled again, right? I got expelled from that school. So then, I mean, my parents had no choice but to put me back in public school system. But then like a few months after I got back in, that was in high school now, they shit me off to this fucking psych ward down in Austin. Cause I'm like, I'm just like, now I'm drinking and drugging pretty regularly in high school, you know? And uh, they got a little... I got little brothers and sisters and my youngest sister, Lauren, who was five, she got leukemia. Okay. And so they're trying to deal with that. And now they got this teenager that's like F you and wreaking havoc. So they're like, get him out of here. So they got me out of there uh, for, I don't know, four months or some shit like that. They let me out because Lauren got really bad, right? Lauren died that year. It was like 82. So they let me out. And so it was really weird, dude. I can't, I was gone for three years from all my friends. I came back to high school for four months, like maybe, I don't know what the fuck that is, half the year. And then I was gone again. And then I came back in like 10th grade. And they're like, dude, what the fuck? Where did you go? Like, where were you? And you're trying to explain it. I mean, there's no explaining it. What do you say? I went to a boarding school, you know, I'm trying to hide it. The fucking adolescent psych ward. Like, really? Um, so 
I mean, I hear people in the program talking about, I never really quit, felt like I fit in. I'm like, no fucking shit. I didn't either. I mean, I'm getting sent up to psych wards. I went to a fucking boys home, you know, uh, I don't know where the fuck. I remember one, one year, dude. I mean, they, uh, my, my parents were like the military police. Okay. And then the summer after 10th grade, they wanted me to go to Outward Bound. That was like some thing up in Maine. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to go spend a month of my summer up in the wilderness with a bunch of freaks eating nuts and berries. Like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing it. And fuck you. And they're like, look, if you go and don't get kicked out, we'll give you your van back and you can go out with your friends as long as you tell us where you're going to be. I was like, I'm shaking on it. I made him shake on it. Okay. Long story short, of course, I got high when I was there and I almost got kicked out, but I begged him not to kick me out and we didn't get kicked out. So I graduated from Outward Bound. And by the way, when we showed up at Outward Bound, they're like, we're going to do rock climbing and this and that. And we're going to do a five, five, uh, five mile marathon at the end. I'm like, dude, nobody's running a fucking five mile marathon. I mean, I was a full blown stoner drinking all the time. And but after just cleaning up for that little bit of time. Sure, we smoked a little pot towards the end, but it was like, you're clean and we're doing a bunch of shit. I won that fucking marathon. I got there before the fucking counselor was supposed to fucking uh, time us all. Like all that shit came back, like my athleticism to being clean for a short period of time. But I didn't give a fuck about all that. And I didn't put that together. But um, I get my point is I got back. And I'm like, uh they're oh i was getting ready and they're like where are you going i was like well i was gonna go out with my girlfriend and tim his girlfriend like mm, fucking i'm going out with tim i can tell you that like what are you talking about i'm like well by the way where's the van and they're like well we sold the van i was like wait what i mean i just our deal was i go do this i get the van back and i can go do these things with my friends and my girlfriend and they're like where'd you dream that up man like we never fucking said that shit and uh so anyway, man, I like blew up. I was like, F you, I'm out. So I had I had left the house for good at 16 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like most kids were just going to going to high school. I was like later at, at 16. And uh, you know, I didn't I passed over the eighth grade guitar story. Um uh I'll say this that one, I'll just say it real quick. And just because it leads in, you mentioned something about want me to talk about being able to do my music stuff sober okay so i'll say this for some reason i don't know why since i was in third grade all i want to do is play music right I want, and in fifth grade when people were like i want to be a fireman or this and that i was like i want to be a fucking rock star like i knew i had a picture of gene simmons on the collage when it said like who do you want to be when you grow up it was gene simmons on his chopper like spitting blood I'm like that's what i wanted to do and uh so Every year I asked for an electric guitar and an amp for Christmas. Every year I didn't get one. From third grade, now it's eighth grade. Finally, two weeks before Christmas, there's a fucking electric guitar case with a big red bow by the tree. I'm like, dude, they're finally hooking me up, right? Like, I'm telling my friends, I'm going to be able to jam in your band. My, my brothers are like badass. Christmas comes, you know, and my brother's like, dude, open your guitar. I'm like, okay, fuck it. I get it. Rip that get it down there, rip the bow off, like clip, clip on the things and open it up. I'm just like in horror. It's like fucking Clark Griswold when he opens up his Jelly of the Month Club fucking check on Christmas vacation. 
my brother's like, what? And I'm like, it's fucking two like chrome painted poop scoopers to clean up shit for my great Dane. Cause they're always fucking with me about cleanup after my great Dane. And my mom starts cackling. He thought it was a guitar. She loved it, man. And I was like, this is a fucking joke, right? Like you're going to bring the guitar out in a minute, right? Like, ha ha. And I looked at my dad and he's like getting all fucking green around the gills. I'm like, you knew about this fucking bullshit. And I was like, boom, double barrel F you Merry Christmas, bitch. And I think that's when I, I went upstairs and like slammed the door so hard, the casing like came off the fucking wall. But that's, I'm like, who does that to their kids? So, I mean, like, it's the part of the big book where it talks about, like, there's certain things, upheavals in people's lives that happen that discolor, like, the whole course of our fucking life, right? That was one of them. And so, I hate to go so much into it, man, but after they, after they, uh, I will say this, it's like you're trying to get me to play my guitar a minute ago. They sent me a fucking boys home when I was 17. I was like, F you, I'm out of here. And I knew my dad, I knew there was a savings bond my granddad had given me for college someday, right? When I was a kid. So I went and got that thing, cashed it, had my name on it. I'm 17. I got a license, went right down to Melody's shop, got a, got a Gibson Explorer and a crate amp, fucking couple of distortion pedals or whatever. My dad found out where I was staying because I wasn't staying at home, of course. He's like, I know you got in there and took that uh, that savings bond. I need you to take that back, bring that back. That's uh, you know, that's for college or whatever. And I was like, hold on a second, check check this out. Hold on a second. Put the phone down and went over and like cranked up that fucking amp and turned that guitar. I was like, boom, fucking hit some chords, fucking bang, ticket, ticket, chang, 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 fucking couple of leads. And I was like, you hear that motherfucker? That's that saving bonds, bitch. Fuck you. <clears throat> And I hung up the phone and that was like the biggest F you like it was it was so gratifying. And so, again, I say all that because I really did want to pursue music. That was a, a legitimate thing I wanted to do. And they always squelched it. They would never let me do it. They had some picture in their mind of who I was supposed to be that wasn't me. I mean, dude, Christmas time. You know me, man. They're They're buying me shirts like. My mom would buy me these like polo shirts with like pink and baby blue stripes on them. Like who the fuck are you shopping for? I'm not a clown. Buy me something cool. It's like black and gray, man. You know, it's like, fuck. So anyway, I will say that let's get back to some reality shit here. My main premise was my whole life. If people would just leave me the fuck alone, everything would be cool. I'd be okay if they just get off my ass. Let me do what I want to do. So following that FU of the guitar chord at 17, that was all well and good. But the bottom line is now it's like real life. I'm living basically on the streets. I fucking would find some weird drug, druggy place to stay for a while or whatever. But I was on my own at 17 for real. And my drinking and drug use just got heavier and heavier and heavier. And I just went on a serious fucking about six months later, I went on the, the worst roller coaster nosedive ever of my own making. Right. And found myself. Now I'm 18 years old. 
going back and begging my parents to fucking help me begging the people I told to fuck off proudly and then you know with much vigor fuck you I don't want your help I don't need it now I'm back there I'm almost a year later eight months later begging them because I'm so strung out and fucked up on drugs and alcohol I told them everything I was like I'll, I'll do I'll do whatever I got to do so long story short I go to fucking treatment I clean up right feel awesome everything was cool and then I get an aftercare and I'm like hey dude we should like let's take out uh Amber I think one of his names Amber and this other chick Amber and her and let's go like hang out you know it'd be cool whatever and uh we do that and it was all good got our groove on with the chicks and then we went the one chick I'm not Amber the one I was with his girl I can't remember her name wanted to go to a friend's house for a par on some party I'm like sure why not boom Drinking, lines everywhere, all the table. I'm out of treatment like a week. I'm like, fuck it, sure. You know, right back in, just 100%. And so then guess what? I'm right back out on the street. I'm like, isn't that funny how that fucking works? And so then I got to like, the church let me stay on their couch because I was making them artistic posters and blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, and the chick that ran it was kind of hot. So I was like, okay, this is cool. And, um, but then finally it was like somehow treatment, the people at treatment called, my counselor from treatment fucking called me and was like, hey, why don't you just come up here and here you're kind of out in the weeds. Let's, you know, get you back up here, try to get you back on the on the path. I was like, okay, fuck it. Go back up to Denton. As soon as that door closed, they're like, here, come in this room. You know, follow us in here. I was like, what the fuck is this? They're like, you're going to sign this. It says you're going to do whatever we say or recommend, or you can fucking hit the door. And I was like, what? It's like, they're like, dude, you didn't think you were going to come like waste your parents' money and our time, like getting, you know, some hot meals in a shower, fuck around. No, this is for real. And it was that thing in the matrix where they open the door and they're like, you, go ahead, get out. But you know where that fucking path leads? And he just looks down that dark street and is like, fuck it. All right, let's do this thing. I was like, same thing. I was like, fuck it. I signed it. And uh, I went to a uh, halfway house for like six fucking months, you know, and I got cleaned up. And there's plenty of fucked up stories and details that come from that halfway house that finally got shut down, some sick ass shit. But that doesn't matter. The mat What matters is that time I had had enough. I had had enough so much that I stayed sober for 15 fucking years. And, but I, I knew enough to be like, you know what? I really, I got to get this thing a hundred percent before I can even think about going back to being around my guys with the music and the bands. And then this, so I stayed away. I stayed in Denton for two years. And once I had two years clean, I felt, you know, it's like that thing in the book that says we can go anywhere and do anything normal men can do as long as our motives are right. My fucking sponsor, when I got out of that bullshit halfway house, he was like, I was telling him shit. He's like, where are you getting all these fucked up ideas about whatever? And I was like, I don't know what they're telling me at the Oaks. And he's like, this ain't the fucking Oaks, dude. This is AA. He's like, here, look. And he read me that part, you know, that we can go and do anything normal men can do. And he says, he goes, God didn't give a fuck if you, if you got hair down to your fucking ankles, you can fucking dye it purple. Fuck, you could have a mohawk like Mike fucking Robo. He's like, 
you know, it doesn't matter. You want to play guitar in a metal band? You can fucking do that. As long as you're sober and you're not hurting anybody, you can do whatever the fuck you want, man. I was like, I got chills. I kind of got chills talking about it right now because I was like, really? He's like, fuck yeah. Fuck what they told you in the Oaks. Fuck what your parents told you. All that shame and bullshit. You want to be a musician, dude. You can do anything you want to do as long as you're sober, brother. I still remember that, man. I was like fucking 21 years old. I'm 56 years old. I, I still remember the conversation. And so I made the call. I hooked back up with the people I need to hook back up to, hook up with, said I'm ready to jam again. And uh, it was fucking awesome. I mean, AA, I've met some of the, the best contacts that I've ever had have come from AA. Because this, uh, I shouldn't name any names, but this one lady who's, you know, been in the business, she hooked us up with a national agent. She got us a fucking national agent down from Houston. And she set up the meeting. She got us our uh, studio to play and to do our demo, to send to the fucking agent. And within six months, we're, we had a tour bus and we're touring, you know, regionally, Texas, Colorado, New Mexico, little Oklahoma, a lot in Oklahoma, you know. Um, <clears throat> but touring kind of regionally in our fucking tour bus. And I had my bass player was in the program. And both our roadies are in the fucking program. So we had our little fucking team, you know what I'm saying? And uh, we're just out there on the road, man. 21, 22 years old, fucking jamming. And uh, it was some of the best fucking times of my life, man. And, uh, you know, fast forward, when I finally got out to LA and I was doing it more for real, I was sober as the day I was fucking born. I was hanging in the VIP rooms of the guys that own the Roxy and the Whiskey and whole Sunset Strip. They fucking loved me, dude, because when they'd go have their coke parties on the hill, I'd watch their kids in the pool. They trusted me to watch their kids because I'm sober, you know. Well, I'm up there in the in the they call it the crow's nest, you know, VIP room, and they're passing shit around. And I'm like, no, I'm good, no, I'm good. And I'm passing there's a mirror over here, and no, let that go on by me. And they're like, hey, Michael, is this guy cool? You know, I think I'm a cop or something. He's like. Yeah, he's with me, dude. He's cool. I was totally comfortable with my sobriety and being in that element because that just, it just fucking came along with it. I wasn't getting any vicarious pleasure. I was just being there because Michael's like, you got to be there, man. You got to meet this guy. He can help you get to that next level. I'm like, All right, I'm in. And so the weirdest thing ever, dude, was um, when I finally... I think it was like, you know, fast forward a few years, 33, I hooked back up with Lisa, who's my wife now, hooked back up with her. I pined for her for a long time. We got back together. Guy in the band disrespected her. So, I, you know, of course, you know, I threatened to fucking kill him in his own house. You know what I'm saying? Dude, he fucking disrespected my chick. Didn't happen. I threatened it. Didn't happen. Um, what was that thing from the town? He's like, I'm going to come back and kill you in your own shop. Sorry, the, the flower guy, you know, fucking Fergie, the flower guy. Sorry. Anyway, I, I love movie references. Anyway, so I was like, you know, I'm done. Fuck you. Because I'm all about my chick now. I got my, I know I'm supposed to be with her. And somehow, weirdly enough, man, it's so weird how shit works. My dad calls me a week later and wants me to come out to Colorado to help him with his building business. My dad's been a builder my whole life. 
you heard the fucking early story. Never in a million motherfucking years did I ever think I'd work with my dad or follow in his footsteps in any fucking way, shape, or form. But I'm like, all right, well, what are we talking about here, you know? And he's telling me a little more about it. I'm thinking, yeah, maybe this is a way for me to build something for real and my chick, you know, later in life. And some band bullshit. I'm fucking 33. I go, I'd still be jamming a band like, it hadn't happened by now. That's the thing in Pulp Fiction. If it would have happened by now, you know, what was going to happen? It would have happened by now. Fucking the, the boxer dude. But anyway, um, so, but dude, it fucked with my head so bad. Like giving up my whole dream, everything that I'd worked for and thought I was supposed to be about and do, something about it wasn't right. And it was something about being around the old man again. Something wasn't clicking. But what my mind did was like, hey, I got a real job now. Like, I'm going to, you know, going to work. Mr. Project Manager, got a real job. People are going to happy hour after work. And granted, I've been sober for 15 years, but I hadn't been going to meetings for at least a few fucking years. Since I moved to California and then came to Colorado, it just, it just wasn't the same. I couldn't, you know, I was just like, eh. In California, it's a different meeting in a different place every night. They're not a home group like we have. There's no Grave Street, right? It's like, Wednesday, you go over here. Thursday, you go over here. New people, new people. I'm not Mr. Hey, how you doing? I'm Scott from Texas. And I want to meet some people. I'm like, I just, you know, you know me, dude. I just like kind of check it out and people are cool. I want, you know, I see you. I want to fucking hang out with, but I don't hang out with a lot of people. I just, you know, so it just didn't work. I'm like, I don't, I don't fucking care. But that thing popped in there like, Hey man, what the fuck would a cold beer after work hurt? I'm not a fucking twisted up angry teenager. I'm not fucking 16 years old. I'm 33. I'm a grown motherfucking man. I haven't fucking drank in 15 fucking years. Like, I just want to have a fucking beer after work. And, and I was like, it was the first time that had popped in there. And I was like, it was weird. I started, I talked to my wife about it. She's like, yeah, I don't, I don't see why that'd be a problem. I talked to my dad about it. He's like, yeah, I mean, it's nothing like you're doing, running with all those people and doing drugs. And, and so, you know, beer after work's pretty normal. I talked to all these people that would fucking validate that shit. And I finally talked to one chick that I knew back here named Katie from the program. I spun that same shit by her. And she's like, what, what, what are you talking about? I was like, what do you mean? She's like, she knew me, right, from back in the day. And she knew me in sobriety. She'd been sober at that time, same amount of time about. Maybe she had 13 years. She's like, you're actually asking me if I think it's cool if you start drinking again? Like, she, you know, it's like, what? I'm like. I'm just saying, man, it's like, you know, and, and she's like, Scott, she finally realized I was too far gone and she wasn't going to break me down with some fucking actual common sense. And she's like, look, I'll just say one thing, Scott. She's like, the people that I know that have been sober as long as we have, and they go back out, that fucking light in their eye just, just dies. Like there's no spark left in their eye. And I just, I just said, Katie, that fucking spark's been gone for years, you know? And she was like, wow. Well, I don't know, man. I don't have to tell you. I need, you know, I love you. You can call me if you need to, but I don't know what else I can say to you. And the very next day, I was like, fuck it. And so 
just for a little context here, that little beer after work, what that was, was go to the fucking store, get a 40 and a 12 pack. Got to slam the 40 on the way up Boulder Canyon up to where we were living at the canyon. And then, I mean, so by the time I got there, I was hammered and drinking 15 years and slammed a 40 while I'm cruising up the fucking mountain, fucking, you know, windy road. And then I get up there and start cracking off tall boys. I'm, it's cool because I already talked to my wife about it. She, you know, she didn't know about the 40 that I'd already, you know, it's like the pre-drink, pre-party drink. She just saw me crack the first one. And I drank all them sons of bitches and got so hammered. That, I mean, there's pictures, dude. I'm sitting there with two cigarettes hanging out my mouth going, yeah, dude. Like, I thought it was like the biggest party that ever happened, you know? And, uh, and the very next day, I'm like, hmm, I bet I can get some of that good boulder weed I've been hearing about from my trash guy, Jamie, you know? So I called him up. And I was like, hey, man. I think get some get some of those nugs from me you were talking about the other day. He's like, what? I thought you said you didn't do all that shit anymore. I was like, yeah, fuck all that. Can I get some? He's like, yeah. So the very next day, I did the same thing with a fucking 12-pack, but now with a big, nice sack of fucking boulder stinky weed. And I just went up, to, and my wife's not cool smoking weed. She She's cool with some beer. She doesn't like, she's like, people that get high are losers. Guess what? That didn't go over well with me. Like, did you actually just call me a fucking loser? Like, you don't like it? I'll pack your fucking shit for you. You know, this chick that I'd pined over and left my whole dream of being in L.A. playing music. I left all that for her so we could build a life. All she's doing is saying, hey, you know, what are you doing? I'm smoking weed all the time now. Like, I don't like it. I'm like, you don't like it? Pack your fucking shit. I'll pack your shit for you. Let's go. Let's do it right now. I mean, dude, it's like that diseased brain came fucking soaring back. And it was like, no, I didn't do it like I was 16. I did it worse because now I am a full-blown adult with resources, right? I'm not like, oh, my parents are fucking with me. It's like, I'll fuck with you if you don't like it. You know, it's like, it was sick. And so therein started a debacle of and dude all kinds of bad shit happen all kind i'm gonna put a guy's fucking eye out with a fucking uh, uh roman candle it's like he's blind for life because i was high it's like all kinds of just negative sick shit um but getting fucked up oh and, and by the way so i go through that three and a half years the last six months, I'm in literal hell. I drag my ass back. I get sober again. Four fuck, put four years together. Stop going to meetings. And of course, that next time I'm like, well, I'm not a fucking dumbass. I already did that other thing and got it out of my system and whatever. But now I did that. I'm not a fucking moron. I won't do that again. <sighs> Just what the big book talks about. How somehow it'll be different. Guess what? It wasn't the same. It was fucking worse. And this time I'm into more shit. This time it was, and, I, and I'll get my chronological, but let me just say that I I got sober. I went back out three and a half years, got sober again, like four years, went out for about a year, came back, got five years, went out again for about a year, came back and got four or five years again, went out fucking again. And I'm just telling you guys. 
So anyway, what I was saying is, you know, on this weird track I was on of going out, coming back in, getting time, going back out. Every time I did that, the only reason I went back out is real simple. I stopped going to meetings. You know, I got too busy. Like what do they say? Don't let the life AA gave you make you too busy for fucking AA. And that's what happened. I was like, you know, I'm good. I, I don't got time. I got responsibilities. I got to go to work. I got to take care of my family. I don't got time to go to a fucking meeting every day. And I just was off doing my thing. And all I'm going to say is that I think I was, I was saying that they're not fucking around in the book when they say it's a progressive illness that gets worse over time, never better. There was none of this. Oh, I did it. I won't do it like I did last time. Yeah, it gets motherfucking worse. After any period of sobriety, it gets worse, never better. Because the last time, it's just like that first time when I said I got the I got the the 40 and the 12 pack. And the very next day I did that, but I added the bag of weed. And now this time I'm doing all that, but I'm adding in a bunch of coke. It's like I want, I want to add more and more. And that time I'd never been a fucking cokehead before. And now I'm like, let's add in that and prescription meds. Okay. I'm popping opioids like they're fucking altoids okay i've got a bottle that's half full of coke so when i pull up at the stoplight i can key up and put a key in there and hit that right out there in traffic I just kind of look around okay cool you don't know who the fuck who's looking at me i'm fucking doing it right there at a fucking stoplight i don't care and dude there was one time i remember clearly because what I do is I come home, I say, I tell my wife, you know, I'm going to go down to the studio, play some music, whatever. I went down there to fucking, you know, get high. That's what I did. I closed myself in there and I'm, I'm now in, I'm drinking, of course, all the while, but I'm, I'm hitting the coke. That's what I'm doing. And I remember sitting there, you know, you come out of there, so out there, there was like a, you know, TV couch out there. We had a, a full finished basement in Colorado, right? had a basement. I'm sitting there watching TV, just zoned out. And I remember I felt my face, like an itch on my face. I didn't know, you know, I was just like you'd think it was a bug on your face. Right? And I went like that. And there was full-blown, like, tears coming down my face. Like, my face was all wet. Like, it wasn't just a little, my eyes were watery. They were, they were all the way down to my chin. And I didn't, I had no idea. I was like, like what the fuck? And I went and looked in the mirror and my eyes were all red. And I'd been like, I guess, just silently crying. And I didn't know it. And I was, it scared the fuck out of me. I was like, I was like, dude, I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, you're a fucking robot, dude. Like, I felt like a soulless fucking robot. Just my body was trying to emit this emotion that my mind wasn't even connected to. And I was like, dude like this is fucking wrong it felt fucking evil there's something evil there was i got creeped out like this is not cool and all i'll tell you is that um that time let's let's, let's go back real quick to you know i sobered up the first time at 18 there's plenty of times in the meetings man listen to old timers i'm like dude I mean, I get it. I need this thing and I'm fucked and I want to be sober, but I 
I like these people, man. I, I never fucking woke up in the middle of the night, fucking, you know, got to get some more vodka. And, you know, I mean, I just, I was 18 fucking years old. I, I was like, I couldn't relate. I was like, I haven't been alive long enough to ever have the shit you guys are talking about losing. So I couldn't somehow relate to it. But guess what? I got to it fucking like 37, 38 years old, whenever the fuck it was. Um, because of my drinking and drugging, I lost my business. I lost my fucking house. We had a nice house, man. My wife's doctor lived on our street. I mean, we lived in a nice neighborhood. I knew they were taking the fucking house. Okay. I could have made provisions. I could have like, okay, hey guys, here's what's happening. We're gonna have to like go get an apartment. Let's get all our shit, get it out. Let's go get an apartment. No, no. I didn't say a fucking word. I just buried my fucking face and drinking, smoking weed and doing coke and just hoping it'll never really happen. And until one day on Saturday morning, I was like, oh fuck. <clears throat> my dog just barked downstairs. She saw somebody was at the door. I go to the door as a fucking cop at the door and about 10 dudes, you know, it was like workers. And I was like, uh, can I help you? And he's like, yeah, we're, we're here to vacate you from the premises. And I was like, it's Saturday morning. I was like, um, you're gonna have to give me like 15 minutes or so, man, please. And he's like, I'll give you 15 minutes. And then we're coming in. I was like, okay. I had to go upstairs and wake up my wife and daughter and tell them for the first time, we got to get out of here. I'm like what? Like, yes, yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. We we've got to get out of here. They're, they're taking the house. Imagine the mortification, the fucking shame and the fucking just absolute abject freak out of the family going, what the fuck are you talking about? Cause they don't know. Cause I'm Mr. Big shot running the fucking household and I got our house repossessed, you know, foreclosed on and never told them. So I don't care. Just get your shit, get a fucking bag, get all our stuff in a suitcase and get what we can as they start coming in. And we're still trying to get our shit together as they're taking furniture out. We live at the end of the cul-de-sac on a nice fucking street. They're putting all our shit out on the street. Okay. Wife's crying, daughter's crying, dogs are going nuts, cats, we can't find them. We've got three cats. Where the fuck are they? We're looking for the cats. I mean, oh, full on pandemonium. As it dies down a little bit, I was like, okay, look, look, I'm, I'm sorry. Just, you know, fuck it. I'll say sorry I'm later. I'm going to get a U-Haul truck. I'm going right now. You do it then. You didn't do it two weeks ago. I go to get a, the biggest U-Haul truck they got. Back it up. Michelle's like picking her fucking stuffed animals up out of the like piles of furniture that are lining our cul-de-sac, like 20 feet long and about eight feet high, crying, trying to get her stuffed animals out of there. I'm like, um, how just dude, like it couldn't be any worse. I just can't, I still, it's like, if it take if that's what it takes to burn in somebody's fucking memory that you are a piece of shit left to your own devices, drinking and drugging, you will burn everything literally to the fucking ground and everybody around you is fucked. Like that's, I felt that so hardcore in my soul. 
I'm fucking telling you right now, eight and a half years later, I still have a hard time sometimes reconciling myself as a good dude for putting my family through that shit. And I will say that I've glossed over a bunch of it, a bunch of the damage that was done. It's, it's like, there's really no way to ever make amends for that kind of shit other than be sober. So let's just say that that last debacle somehow snapped me up and I'm not going to go through a whole lot of details. We relocated down to Texas. I somehow got a parachute back down here where I wanted to fucking be anyway. Didn't want to do it under those circumstances. And my wife and daughter sure as fuck didn't want to be down here. My daughter was born in Colorado. My wife loved it because her family lives five five uh, hours away in Nebraska, you know. So I mean, she loved it. But I just I think I gotta be down in Texas, man, with my fucking people and people I know, and just I gotta. So we got down to Texas, and uh, I got to hand it to Buddha Gym, man. I went to that fucking meeting over there uh, at, on my lunch break, the Glass House. Never got called on. Last fucking, I was like thirty days. 30 days sober. I'm like, my 30th day. If they don't fucking call me, I'm done. I'm out. And somehow the motherfucker called on me. And uh, so I told him, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to tell him a little story. I'm living in Mansfield, but I work up here in Fort Worth, you know, I'm trying to get my shit together 30 days, you know, I had fucking five, six years this last time, but I've been out for about a year and a half, two years. It's kicked my ass the whole nine. And Buddha Jip comes up to me after me and goes, you live in Mansfield? Like, yeah. He's like, I know a meeting you got to check out down there, man, called Grave Street. I was like, all right, cool, man. Thanks. You know, motherfucker thing was like less than a minute from my house. And uh, I told my wife, I'm like, hey, uh, some guy told me about a meeting down there at six o'clock. I'm going to go check it out. She's like, cool. So as soon as I walked in there, this like sense of calm came over me because I was just like, dude. Like, this wasn't the fucking glass house. No, no offense. Anybody that loves the glass house. It just wasn't that. It reminded me of my home group in Colorado, the Triangle Club that I went to for years. Cool motherfuckers laid back. Hey, what's up? You guys were welcoming. You know, you didn't sit there and try to mince your words and like we could drop F-bombs if we wanted. It's like nobody fucked with me when I did. Uh I was like, I could fucking hang here. This place is badass. And guess what? My house is like 45 seconds from here, you know? Um, and uh, it's been nothing but a fucking uphill trudging ever since, dude. It hasn't been fucking roses, but it's it's eight and a half years. My, my, my sobriety date this time is June 24th of 2015. It's been about eight and a half fucking years. And it is... In a full-scale fucking miracle that I'm sitting here today telling you about this coming from where the fuck I come from. I had burned shit so hardcore to the ground before and basically felt like I spit in whatever God there may be, man. I spit in his eye big time. Like, you know, I was like, I don't want any fucking part of it. And the fact that I got another shot to do this thing and build a life here again uh, 
and be cool. I mean, I, I mean, I'm skipping over a bunch of shit, but I got a successful business, man, that, you know, again, got down here, went to work with the old man again. It was like deja fucking vu from 20 years ago in Colorado. And we put some shit together. He had some contacts already going, you know, down, and we worked together for a few years and he fucking retired. He's like, I think I'm on a bail. He's been out in Florida, uh, got remarried. My mom passed away, blah, blah, blah. Got remarried. He's out there. They're fucking like, you know, he's living a second life, man. He's like living his best life at 80 years old. They're, every time I turn around, he's on another fucking cruise. It's like good for him. But I had to take this fucking thing, this little morsel and, and do something with it. And the only way I've been able to do anything with it is because I've been fucking sober and I've been like doing everything the exact opposite of what I did in Colorado. I'm going to, okay. What I did in Colorado, it says you've heard it a million times. You got to fail, you know, you got to fail before you can fucking win and fuck with us in sobriety or business. I, I, I climbed to the mountain. I fucking failed. I learned a bunch of hard ass lessons. So here I am today. What the fuck am I going to do? Well, I'm going to do it different than I did before. God damn it. See, I can't do that if I'm fucked up. I can't go, I'm just going to drink differently. and be. The, but if I'm sober, I can do whatever the fuck I want. Like that guy told me fucking goddamn almost 35 years ago, that as long as I'm sober, sky's the limit. You know, you want to go be a fucking musician? Hey, guess what? You want to be a fucking successful builder like your old man? You can do that too. And... I don't know, man. We've been able, to, we've somehow been able to, we survived COVID like everybody else and we're back up and things are just on this course. I'm aligned with people in business that have similar interests and mindsets spiritually and all that stuff, like positive people that are doing some really good things. And I've been blessed somehow to be in that thing that's happening. And I just, I'll tell you, man, back in Colorado, I had a lot of the, that's what took me back out. One of those times was like, the fuck I did. I did all this. You know what I'm saying? I built this huge mansion on the side of the fucking Canyon in Boulder Canyon. I mean, my, my drywall guy fucking started that shit. He's like, you do realize you built this thing, right? I'm like, yeah, what, what about it? He's like, no, no, this is like the premier thing in Boulder right now. Everybody's talking about it. You did it. I'm like, yeah, okay. And somehow, him saying that, by the time we went to the fucking uh, open house, I was clinking bottles with the architect. You know, we're congratulating each other. And I'm like, yeah, look what we did. And uh, this time, man, I just don't feel that. I don't want to like, hey, look what I've done. I'm like, dude, I am fucking grateful and, and fortunate to have had a chance to somehow get where I'm at again. And I don't give a fuck about what am I going to get? I'm like, what can I give back to my wife and daughter? Because I, that thing I said before about how can you make amends? Only way is by living amends. Be a different dude, right? And we were talking about that a little earlier. There ain't no one fucking way to do this thing in sobriety. It got to be a certain way. That's what killed me for a long time. I grew up with that shit. You, that my parents wanted me to be different. I'm like, fuck you. I went to that halfway house. They wanted me. They told me I was going to die drunk if I didn't cut my hair and quit listening to rock and roll music. 
the fuck? I told him to fuck off for six months, but then I was so miserable. I'm like, well, maybe they're right. And I fucking cut my hair off and got a sales job. And then I really wanted to kill myself. I mean, I just, yeah, I'm kidding, but I mean, oh man, that wasn't for me. And so it's like, there's just, it takes all kinds, man. There's people that are super mellow and just naturally more spiritual people like our good buddy, Jake got his Jake dust. I love Jake. He's fucking awesome, man. But I'll never be that like probably in tune and booted out and just happy. We talked about that too. Like, I'll just tell you guys this, like fucking robo used to always be like, I just wake up and decide to be happy. I was like, how the fuck do you do that? I'm like sitting in a meeting going, what the fuck? That sounds awesome. But how do you just wake up and decide to be happy? Like, that sounds cool. I wish I could do it, but I got this thing in here fucking with me that won't let me feel happy. It won't, I can't. I've done too much bad shit or something, right? And like we were saying, I finally was like, you know what, man, chill the fuck out. This bitch has got over 10 years sobriety, man. You're sitting there with a few years. Like, just give it time. Let the process happen. And like I just said a while ago, man, uh, off, off air or whatever that, I just woke up one day and I was like, I think everything's going to be fucking cool. Like, I, I think it's okay. Like right now, things are actually pretty fucking cool and it's okay to feel happy about it. There's the whole difference between being prideful and just being fucking grateful, man. And being like, you know, I don't know, dude. I'm not, I haven't said a whole lot about the whole God thing, higher power, because I'll tell you, man, I, I still have my issues with all that. I don't know. I don't fucking know about all that shit. I want to. I want to believe it. I know it says that's what this book is about, is to get you in touch with that. I sometimes have to go, dude, I don't. Oh, man, I hope it's true. You know, like, I hope, I hope there's really something up there that gives a fuck, man. But I don't know. But I did know that there's people at AA and people like you that actually fucking give a shit about what's going on. And they want to, you know, they want to help me get better and help me figure out how to be a better person and that good orderly direction thing, right? That, okay, that's fucking real. I know that's real. And then I'll just ease in. I'm still easing in. You know, it's not saying I don't ever fucking pray. Of course I fucking pray. But I, my mind... It fucked with me less than it did. Let's put it that way, okay? It's fucked with me for a long time. Like, I think it's all a mind game. Just believe something and then it'll be true. Like, you know, well, I don't know. All I know is I got to keep it motherfucking simple, okay? I'm not running shit. I've just got, like, I've just got a shot to be the best person I can fucking be for myself, for my employees, for my family, foremost. And... If I don't stay sober, none of that shit happens. That's the bottom line. That's it. So I'm grateful that I've had another chance somehow to put a life together again. And I hope to God I never, ever forget that. I hope I hope I was hurt so bad. It's kind of okay that I'm not Mr. Go Happy Go Lucky because that's still in there. I know what the fuck happened last time and I don't ever want to go back there. And it's cool as shit that you fucking asked me to come do this, man, because 
you know, I worry, I'm like, oh, I'm not Mr. Gratitude, Mr. Positive Message, you know, but if I'm telling you, man, if anybody, if I can stay fucking sober, anybody fucking can, you know, um, I just, I, I guess it's like that thing says, you know, it's not for people that need it, it's for people that want it. You got to fucking want it, dude. I got, it's got to be so fucking bad that I'm like, I don't give a fuck. I'll do whatever the fuck you tell me to do because I'm going to fucking die. I, I can't, I don't know how to live, man. I'll do whatever the fuck you tell me to do. Just tell me what the fuck to do, please. And so it's, I come back like that every time, broken and bruised and ready to do whatever the fuck you guys tell me. And then you cure me, right? I get cured. I'm doing air quotes. I get better. I get healthy, right? And then I'm like, see ya. I'm good, man. Thanks for patching me up. I'm out. I got to go ride my bike. You know, I'm going to go fucking do this other deal down in Stephenville. I'm building townhomes. I'll see. I don't have time for fucking meetings later. It's like, dude, I got to watch that. That's 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 my that's what I got to watch out for. I can't let myself drift away from AA and away from service of some kind, because that's the thing that saved my ass. Is AA and service and drifting away from it is what's fucked me every time. So that's, you know, if I haven't learned one thing, I think I've learned that, hopefully. What do you got for me? You got any questions or are we done or what are we doing? Dude, uh, I fucking love listening to you. Uh, that's some powerful shit. Um, you know, it, and and I have, have told you this privately and publicly, and so I'm going to say it again more publicly about your daughter. You know, I had the the opportunity as a substitute teacher to have her in several of my classes. And she is honest to God, the one of the smartest people I have ever fucking met. So let, let's just touch on this gratitude thing. Uh, right. You want to tell everybody where she is right now? Yeah, she's kicking ass over at TCU. She's got a she's got a three point nine at TCU all A's. It's fucking badass. So, and she's there. Because she got a scholarship. She got an academic scholarship. To TCU. I mean, I'm not like Mr. Mr. Rich Boy that can afford TCU. She got a badass scholarship. She did it for herself. It's badass. Yeah, she's she is she is definitely uh she takes after you in the badass department. You. Um you know, you your story reaches a, a lot of people. Um, you know, I we'll talk about your your young life first, right? Growing up, I didn't have that. I had the opposite of that. I had a very loving and caring and uh, overbearing family in that sense, mm -hmm. you know, and, but if the real alcoholic and drug addicts and, and people who are suffering, we know that loneliness, we know mm -hmm. that fear, we know that desperation. We know that, Oh fuck, here we go. I did it again. Why did I do it again? Mm. Right. And, and we keep doing it. So, I guess the question that, that maybe somebody would have is you, you've had periods of sobriety. Yeah. What is different this time than it was last time? You kind of touched on it coming to graves, but what, in what are you, is it something else you're, you're doing or you're how you're feeling or, but what is it different this time around? Man, I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard one uh, to really fucking, put my finger on i just know that uh dude i know this last time uh the the bad stuff the 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 bottom that i hit this time 
was so much more brutal and desolate and fucking real, like real hardcore consequences of like, um, where the fuck is my family going to live? We They just took our house. We didn't have any place to go, right? I mean, we went out and I'm not trying to, all I'm going to say is like, I was like, I think there's a motel out by the highway. And we went out there and I said, okay, here's the key. Go find the room. I'm going to finish up, you know, paying for it. And I get up there and Michelle, 12 years old at the time, is like, dad, this room smells like pee. I'm like, what? She'd tell me that as I'm walking up the stairs. And I walk in there and I'm like, God fucking damn it. I'm like, no, no, no. We're not fucking staying here, dude. Fuck that shit. Get out. I mean, by that time, the cat had already like got up underneath the mattress and the box spring and can't get the cat out of there. I'm like, we got three cats and three dogs we're trying to do all this with. I was like, dude, I'm sorry. The cat, the place smells like cat piss. We can't stay there. So then I'm like, we go to the residence in. I'm like, I buy like two weeks. I'm like, that's it. I'm like, I don't, you know, so I'm just, I had no place to go literally with my family and animals in tow. It was so brutal. Everything got so brutal. So now they fucking stayed with me. That's shit people leave. Somebody was like, dude, she still stays with you? What the fuck wrong with her? No, I'm just kidding. You know, like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, couldn't be more grateful. But what's different is that I will tell you that I know that when I did my fourth and fifth step this time, my sponsor was really like, dude, like that whole thing about the book, let's get down to causes and conditions. Because I picked him as my sponsor because the first day I went to Grave Street, he started talking and he had been sober. He sobered up in 85, which is when I did the first time when I was 18. Sobered up in 85. I thought that was cool. And I knew it was old school. And uh, and I don't know. I mean, you know, you know, I just the way he was talking, I was like, this guy's a good old boy. He's positive. He's cool. Sobered up in 85. Fuck it. I asked him. Um, but and it was about what he was talking about. But um, he was so much about the causes and conditions. Like, look, dude, you're not you're not new. You've been doing this motherfucking shit for almost 30 fucking something years, you know, 32 years at that time, whatever it was. Um, just like you said, why the fuck is it not working? Let's get down to these root causes, man. You know, he was like, everything's like, we got to call him it out. You know, even after I did my fist up, I call him the problem. Like, let's call him it out. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Okay, let's call him it out. But I mean, even after doing it for so long, when we got to the fifth step and that column about what's my part, I had question marks on every one of those boxes. I had no idea what the fuck my part was. He was like, all right, let's go through it. Went through line by line. And then he got into the, after that, like the, well, what's the character defect driving that? You know, whether it's the fear or the resentment or whatever the fuck, what's the character defect driving that? Like he literally went to like seven deadly sin shit you know, sloth or greed or whatever the fuck. And I was like, you know, I was talking about anger. He goes, no, you don't have anger. You got fucking wrath. You know, he's like, you got, you got a full blown wrath in two seconds, you know, zero to 60, zero to wrath. And so, and that's because of a lot of deep seated fucked up shit, man. You know? Um, and so uh, that thing I talked about before, about those things that happen in our lives that cause upheaval and discolor our lives for the worst, that thing it talks about in the book. I had a lot of that. And so I guess this time, maybe we just dug a little deeper and took more, more of that shit head on. I'm like, 
I don't need to be that dude anymore. I don't need that fucking armor on, you know, like I used to have. Fuck you looking at. Every time somebody glances at me, you know, that's what I think. My first thought, what the fuck are you looking at? What the fuck? Yeah, they're maybe looking at you like, chill out. And what the fuck are you tripping on is the question. Um, so, and really, dude, if I want to get honest, man, I think it's, that's what happened this time. I got so fucking twisted up. It got me in touch with some shit I wasn't even aware of. Like, it's like, that shit ain't just about like being aggroed out and like, fuck me no fuck you it's like some fear shit like there's some fear there of you know like what do they what do they think of me you know like i don't feel right inside maybe they because that's what happened i went lived my whole life repelling against that stuff like trying to people trying to say i'm bad i'm bad i'm bad no fuck you and do that like i finally woke up one day i was like maybe they're right maybe i am actually a bad what's that that's that uh thing from office space you're a very bad person peter the thing it's like yeah like you're just a, a very bad person like i felt like a you know and they tell us right we're not bad trying to get good we're sick trying to get well i had to really get that on a different level because i felt like a bad fucking person like i failed in so many aspects i mean i really got to dig deep man and 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 what Mike tried to, you know, there's Mike too. He's like, dude, you gotta let that shit go. Like it says right in the big book. If we, you know, if our if our behavior continues to harm others, we're quite sure to drink. But if we're sorry for what we've done and we're honestly willing to have God take us to better things, we believe we'll have been forgiven and whatever the fuck else it says. Right. But he's like, you've done steps. You've prayed about this. <clears throat> you need to like, how was that? the other mic? How many mics we have? The other mic, like, take your foot off your own throat. Right. That thing. It's like, yeah, dude, lighten up. Like, lighten up. It's okay to, you, you got it. It's okay. You got to, you got to face it. You got to admit it all. But dude, lighten up. Like, you, you're sick, man. I'm a different dude. It's like, like they're talking about the book, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It says when we're drinking, we resemble ourselves, but little. I don't resemble myself at fucking all because I'm the guy that I'm all worried about what people think and wanting to be cool and, you know, create the, I'm like the Griswold, create the perfect Christmas for my family, but get me a fucking beer and a little bit of weed and somebody says something about it. Get the fuck out of here. I'll pack your shit. Like, that is sick, man. That's, like, not normal. So, anyway, if anybody needs this fucking shit, man, it's me. You know, and I think I finally got to the point where I'm like, dude, yeah, I, uh, I can't fuck around anymore, right? I need to really do this thing. I need to really admit, like, I have, I have no doubt in my mind that's what i keep saying i hope i'm doing something better i'm not i hope to god i never go back out all i gotta do is fucking today right and i know for a fucking fact that i'm a fucking alcoholic and a drug addict to the fucking bone i admit that wholeheartedly i'm an alcoholic and an addict and yes 
my life was so fucking unmanageable that I was ready to end it. You know, like, of course, these people around me would probably be better off if I wasn't fucking here. Right. And guess what? When I'm sober, I never think that. I don't give a fuck how bad it's going or what might not happen that I want to happen. Whatever is fucking going on. I don't think that I people might be better off without me. I might just fucking kill myself. I never have those thoughts when I'm sober. That's a bonus, you know? And it's like, I have come to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity because it's already fucking happened. It's happened and it's happening. I don't know what the fuck that power might be. I'm not trying to quantify it, but I believe that there's some power that's restoring me to sanity because I didn't have to question whether I was fucking insane or not. I'm the dude you've heard. I was having fights with myself in the mirror, looking at myself going, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Look at your fucking self, motherfucker. You're sick. Like having those, like I was talking to another dude, like that's some fucked up shit. And that's where drugs and alcohol take me. What? Jails, institutions, or death, man. You know, it's like, I've been to both. You know what I'm saying? And the death part is probably all that's left. I mean, I don't want to go there. I mean, we're all going to go there someday. I want to go there happy and sober and left some cool shit for my family and help some people along the way instead of being a wretched fucking angry piece of shit. And so as long as I stay sober, I get to be good Scott. I don't have to be bad Scott, right? And uh, anyway, um, I don't know. I think that's what's different, that I finally got so low I'm like, dude, here it is, man. Here and and don't get me wrong on the God thing, dude. I was on my knees like a motherfucker. Is this thing getting ready? What does it say? Oh, we got five minutes. I yeah, we're good. Hey, five minutes. <clears throat> um, I was on my knees like a motherfucker saying, please, dear God, help me, man. I know I'm a piece of shit. I probably don't deserve it, but if you're there, man, please, man, have all of me, good and bad. All that shit that it talks about in the book, I did all that shit for real. And, you know, I got the spiritual awakening for real that it talks about. All this shit that I'm talking about, the good stuff, the fucking, you know, the business, the employee, longtime employees, people that worked for me, they apparently kind of enjoy working for me. Weird. They're still there for over five years, you know? Um, and the byproducts of all that, the good work we've done, the, the, different areas of sectors of business that we've been able to produce, you know, I mean, we're working in Dallas, we're working in Fort Worth, we're working up in Aubrey, we're working down in Stephenville, we're doing commercial stuff, residential stuff, multifamily stuff. It's fucking crazy, dude. I'm like, I couldn't do this by myself. You know what I'm saying? And all this is the promises that the book talks about by just doing the fundamentals and staying sober day in, day out, day in, day out life just kind of gets repaired and we get to recover and live these lives that we could never even fucking imagine. Right. That like they talk about if I had the first day I was like, Doug, dude, God, please fucking help me. If, if I had fucking at that day said, this is what I, all I want. Obviously I would have sold myself short as a motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I got shit way beyond my wildest dreams from back then. I thought I'd never see good times again. Fuck, I got two Harleys in the garage, bitch. Sorry. But, um, 
you know, that shit's a blessing and a miracle. And I don't know if you can hear yourself. I can't hear you laughing. I see you laughing and that's all good, but I can't hear it, unfortunately. But um, anyway, what else you got? We got a few minutes. What do you got? Oh, that's it. Dude, I, I thank you for coming on here. And uh, I, I remember when you walked in and we like happy Scott and we like now Scott a whole lot better. Yeah, nice. Less less angry. Less right angry. on, brother. Right on. Uh, Thanks so much for uh, letting me do this, man. Cool. Damn cool. Well, dude, I appreciate you being on here, Alan. And uh, because we're a couple days from it, and I probably won't see you face to face, I will say Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas, man. You're badass. I love you, Mike. Dude, love you too, brother. All right, guys. Thank you for listening and taking time out of your day to enjoy this episode of Recovery is Fucking Awesome. Check it out. Recovery is effing awesome. Podbean.com for all the shirts and merchandise. Love you guys. Remember, stay sober. Live one day at a time. Put a little gratitude in you. Kick some ass every day. And remember, recovery is fucking awesome.